I want this team to stop being a circus show. That's what I want. I want more than anything else from a fan perspective, from a writer perspective, just as from an NFL fan perspective, the league is better when the giants aren't an embarrassment. The giants have been an embarrassment for over 10 years. And what happened on Monday, regardless of which side you fall on, whether it be Wink Martindale or Brian Dayball, the reality is that circus music continues to play in East Rutherford. And it's not a good look for the team or anybody else associated with it. At some point or another, the giants have to turn a corner or the calls to sell the team are going to intensify. They exist currently, but they're going to start to get loud because it's been over a decade now. And not only are the Giants one of the most losing teams in the NFL over that period, at one point were the most losing team. Um, they're setting all-time franchise marks in futility while continuously embarrassing themselves in an attempt to steal the back pages from the New York Jets in the most embarrassing ways possible. <laughs> Welcome into the show. It's the Giants Wire podcast. Great to have you with us as always. It's Ryan O'Leary here playing host. I'm joined by Dan Benton, the managing editor of USA Today's Giants Wire. Uh, Hopefully you guys have been sticking with us all season long. We really appreciate you, the listener. We'll be sticking around throughout the offseason as well. There's always a lot going on with the Giants. Free agency coming up, draft, stick with us, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Again, we appreciate your support. Dan, the uh, offseason is upon us, and it's it only took uh, it, not even 24 hours before Brian Dayball and the Giants crawled right up your tailpipe and got you all fired up. So this should be a fun show, man. How you doing? Well, I could be enjoying some vacation time now that the season is over, but the Giants decided they're not going to allow that. <laughs> so I'm a little bitter, if I'm being completely honest, from a personal standpoint. So um, it's certainly been an interesting 24 hours, though, hasn't it? It has. Monday was a wild day for the Giants. And uh, Dan, why are you bitter? Let's just start right there, right? Like, why why are you feeling bitter here? Uh, we're talking on a Tuesday morning, so the day after Black Monday. What's What is uh, stuck in your craw? Well, the Giants fielded one of the worst offenses you've ever possibly seen in your entire existence. And apparently, other than the offensive line coach, they feel like running that back while completely overhauling everything else on the team because that makes total sense, doesn't it? You know, I'm not surprised to see Bobby Johnson fire. The Giants, you know, they gave up 85 sacks, second most in NFL history. It was inevitable that they made a change at that particular position. What I find fascinating, however, is that, you know, Brian Dayball decided to push Wink out the door, which we'll have a conversation about that in a second. Mm-hmm. and fire Thomas McGahee, um, basically told Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin, the two players who took the most reps on special teams, that they won't be back next year. So basically undoing the good while keeping the bad is is certainly a curious decision being made by the Giants thus far. You know, as of this recording, it's Tuesday morning. Certainly things could change, are almost certain to change. Uh, but as of right now, the Giants kept everything that was bad and and kind of got rid of everything that was good in the last 24 hours. And I certainly find that to be curious. Another thing that was curious, Dan, was the timing of how this news broke on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. Brian Dayball addresses the media Monday, says he expects both Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka back in 2024. Then after that, we hear that Wink Martindale, you know, the news breaks that it's, you know, he's going to resign or he is expected to resign from the team. And that becomes the big news story. So, Brian Dayball addressing the media, saying he expects Wink back, Dan. Uh, And then this news breaking after that press availability. I'm just going to say, knowing the NFL for years and how this works, not an accident. Not an accident. That is is Dayball not wanting to face the music. 
in facing those questions yet. He's trying to push that off. So he's going to tell you one thing to the media, and then that news drop comes after the presser. That is NFL 101. That Dayball's not the first guy to do it, but it is not a very honest way to go about business, right? And I just thought, that's just one point here as we launch into this Wink stuff. Not an accident. The timing of that on Monday, was it? No, not at all. It's the second. Listen, the second the Giants sent out the schedule, and I saw that it was scheduled for eight thirty a.m. in the morning. I I said to multiple people, uh, both both within the business and outside of the business, that I found that to be odd. There was something off about the time in which they scheduled that press conference. The second I saw that this time, I knew that there was something off about it. Couldn't pinpoint what it was, but it was certainly out of character for the Giants and Dayball to do that. Uh, it became abundantly clear why they did that in short order. You know, announcing that the expectation is that Wink and Kafka will be back without speaking to them, uh, having already fired an assistant coach and a coordinator leading up to that. So obviously he felt comfortable enough in those decisions to own those decisions in front of the media, but perhaps not as comfortable to own the decisions that were still to come. Decisions that at the time of the press conference had already been made, obviously. Um, you wouldn't schedule that press conference if you didn't know the firestorm that was about to ignite. Agreed. And, and then the questions that you were going to have to answer as a result of it. And of course that also comes on the heels of the giants, quote unquote, vehemently denying the Jay Glazer report back in November when he said this was going to all, you know, play out in the way that it played out. Ultimately, um, if you listen to our podcast regularly, I'm sure you can recall us saying that if Glazer says it, you could take that to the bank. So, you know, kudos to him for having it spot on months and months ago. Um, and, and basically telling us all what was going to happen. Shame on, the Giants for gaslighting the entire football world by indicating that Glazer had it wrong and anyone who believed him was foolish because, as it turned out, the only foolish ones um, were the ones that were trying to gaslight the rest of us who obviously didn't really fall for that. Uh, The problem with that is, and again, we talked about this on the podcast as well, uh, that was followed up by the really, really dishonest, inherently dishonest display of Brian Dayball giving Wink the game ball after a Week 12 victory over the Patriots, which Mm -hmm. was flawed from the very moment that we laid eyes on it. You know, if you paid any attention to what was going on and and believed even a slice of what Glazer said, you, you knew that was an absolute staged show to help control the narrative. And then after all of that, to be so fearful of what was coming as a result of what was going on behind the scenes to schedule a press conference to avoid answering those questions. I find that to be a very weak in the knees thing for Brian Dayball to have done. Why didn't this work out between Wink and and Dayball? What what is it? Is it the personality? I know Wink is kind of a laid back, cool dude. Dayball obviously runs way too hot. He probably should work on that. I've, I've mentioned that multiple times this season, right? Like him blowing up all the time. I just think is a, you don't look like you're in control of the whole situation. You're, you're the head coach. You should be in control. But he seems out of control. He, he just seems like he's running too hot, like he's the tea kettle. You know what I mean? And he's going to pop. I know he's his, the personalities are very different between Wink and, and Dayball. Was it just that? Is it that simple? I know people have said that. Is it something else? Like, why didn't this work out between the two? Well, listen, Wink can run hot at times, too. He just doesn't necessarily let it out in the public eye like Dayball does. Um, I, I think more than anything else, listen, they, they clashed for multiple reasons. These are two guys that never worked together previously. They thought they could make it work. There was no reason to believe that they couldn't make it work, but it, you know, it, it quickly became apparent, at least to Wink Martindale, that he wasn't tuned to the personality of Brian Dayball, who, let's just be honest, 
has clashed with other people and other coaches and other personnel throughout the years. There's a reason why things didn't work out in Buffalo. And once again, that had everything to do with Dayball's inability to manage personal relationships because, as you say, he runs hot. He did. Um, did you, did yeah. you see his handshake with Sean McDermott? Yes. Earlier season, yeah. like that was cold as ice right There's Something yeah. there with Sean, Sean McDermott and Dayball as well. Just to there your was. point. There, always, there, there was always an issue between those two. That's how Dayball ended up here in the first place. And people seem to conveniently forget that for some reason or another, while never forgetting the fact that Wink Martindale clashed with Harbaugh at the time, which, you know, again, you, you can put that on Wink's resume fine, but how many people are, are getting along with Harbaugh on a regular basis? It's not that many. So, again, these are two guys that have had personal relationship issues uh, with other members of the front office and staff in, in their history. So it kind of was like a train crash waiting to happen. Um, but when it comes to specifically Dayball and Wink, what really seems to at least reportedly have pushed it over the edge, and, and Jake Glazer has alluded to this, is that – Dayball has a propensity to completely dress down his assistant coaches and coordinators. And while that tends to fly with young coaches and coordinators, it most certainly does not fly with grizzled veterans like Wink Martindale, who is not going to be okay with being spoken to like a child with F-bombs being thrown in his direction every two seconds. Um, Especially, and this was one of the things that Glazer and some others has reported at the time, when the offense is completely non-functional and the only thing that's keeping this team in any of these games at the time was the defense. So, yeah, you know, Wink Martindale essentially just got fed up with the, the repeated dressing down and, and the explosions by Dayball, and they started to butt heads. It got worse. It started last year, but it started to get worse this year and, you know, ultimately came to the conclusion that it came to um, with Wink not quite resigning yet, but the relationship being fractured to the point where it cannot be repaired. Yeah, so the reports are that uh, Wink is planning to resign or wants to resign, but he hasn't yet. He hasn't been fired. Uh, and all we've heard is that Dayball said he expects him back. So he hasn't been fired. Uh, so this is interesting, right? There was a report, Dan, that Wink wants to go out and seek out head coaching jobs. He wants to possibly seek out other defensive coordinator vacancies, just not here, which I think, you know, personally, that would be such a bad look for the Giants. If Wink goes and becomes the defensive coordinator for someone else, like, and you just like some horror, you know, potential horror situations like, I don't know, Dan Quinn probably getting hired this coaching cycle for the Cowboys. What if Wink Martindale goes and coordinates that defense for the Cowboys? Yikes, the Eagles. I mean, he could he could end up right back in the NFC East. The Eagles need a defensive coordinator, you know, as soon as they flame out here uh, in, in the postseason. And oh, by the way, nice win, Giants there in week 18. That was pretty fun. Uh, we'll very, very dominant defensive performance yes, by the Giants. Yeah, it was, but you brought up an interesting point, Dan, before we hit record, how Wink can, I guess he could go interview, but the Giants have his rights because he's under contract for 2024, right? So if he resigns, can he just go out and seek out another job if the Giants don't play ball and like let him go, right? Ultimately, the Giants need to let him go, right? For him to go get another job. So that... Yeah. That thickens this whole thing and, you know, this relationship. How fractured is it? Will the Giants even play ball with him and let him go and do a lateral move if that's what it is? Because that's just a horrible look for the Giants if Wink Martindale goes and becomes the defensive yep. coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys or someone else. When, or the Philadelphia Eagles. Or the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Because we know Wink. Like, you can bring up the numbers, right? The DVOA or the yards. The Giants let up yards. They let up points this year. I get it. They also... Tied with Baltimore, Dan, for turnover differential. 
plus 12. It's because of your 31 takeaways, which mm-hmm. is a great number. It, it basically led the league. The Giants finished the year with 18 interceptions. That defense was a hornet's nest. And the guys love Wink. You've brought it up, Dan. Players talk about him opposing players, not, not just, only the Giants. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, not just his own players, but opposing players and coaches and coordinators. And it became a theme down the stretch, let's not forget. We probably didn't highlight it enough, but anyone from Jason Kelsey to Sean McVay were – we're praising Wink for being this revolutionary, almost impossible to prepare for kind of defensive coordinator. So I do think that's an, it's an important to mention that part of it. Absolutely. But the fact that he is under contract, Dan, for 2024, mm-hmm. but wants to go seek, uh, reportedly wants to go seek opportunities elsewhere, even if it's just a lateral move to defensive coordinator, your thoughts? <sighs> that's what makes this whole situation what it is. That's why there's this, that was why the, the Giants didn't fire. Wink Martindale, first of all. They wanted to make sure, one, they didn't have to pay him for next year, and two, that they controlled his rights because they don't want him to go to the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys. And that's also why the report that Wink had resigned, which was initially reported by Ian Rappaport, was not accurate. And the, the more accurate report was that he intended to resign because as of this recording, that has not happened. So there's a little cat and mouse game going on now between the two sides. Um, there's no chance that they're going to, reconcile their differences here one way or another there is going to be a divorce but how that plays out is going to be interesting because right now wink does have aspirations of becoming a head coach he's never been shy about admitting that but the giants are trying to prevent him from at the very least taking on the defense for one of their nfc east rivals and how this situation ultimately plays itself out i don't know but you know if wink does end up resigning the giants do control his rights for next season and can prevent him from any lateral moves. So he would have to take on a head coaching role or an assistant head coaching role in order to find a place for another team because anything short of that, the Giants are probably not going to allow it. And you're right, and you said it. That doesn't look well. That doesn't reflect well. And I can't imagine in a million years that that's something that John Mara is okay with. Do you think, Dan, this all comes back to the head coach and Brian Dable? I know a lot of Giants fans are kind of ride-or-die Dayball. Uh, you know, especially coming off of last year where the Giants had a great season, won a playoff game, he got coach of the year. So they've kind of excused uh, this season. But we've said it multiple times. This has not been a good season for Brian Dable. No. Uh, it's been a no. tough season for him. Uh, and I, I just think the whole culture, right, the the stuff with Wink, not great. The, again, we haven't mentioned this yet, but or maybe you did earlier when you were talking about McGahee and uh, Bobby Johnson, but the uh, the Wilkins brothers, right? The uh, linebackers coach and uh, I think another defensive assistant there that are Winks guys. Those guys got fired, right? Before before the news of Wink Martindale's resignation dropped or potential resignation dropped, so that happened as well, which probably Wink uh, did not appreciate. You know, another thing there. Uh, and then you just well, got- that was the straw. That was the, yeah. in my opinion that 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 was the straw. Go ahead. You know, I, I cannot confirm. Like, I cannot confirm that this is 100% accurate, but there were certainly some whispers from those in the know uh, that crossed my desk that that's what pushed Wink over the edge. When he was informed that Drew Wilkins would be terminated, you know, the word is that he blew up in Dayball's face and stormed out of the room, and there were some not nice words that were shared, and (laughs) and Wink... And Wink not so politely reminded Dayball that his defense whooped the living hell out of the offense in every single practice this season. Um, <laughs> so that that sounds 
true to form for Wink Martindale. But yeah, it was ultimately that firing of Drew Wilkins that really, I wouldn't say lit the fuse because that fuse was very much already lit, but that finally reached the barrel and that's where things exploded. And that's because, as you noted, you know, Wilkins was from Baltimore. He is Wink's right-hand man, um, has an ultimate amount of respect for that guy. And the reason that Wilkins was fired, I know people will argue it's that the linebackers underperformed, but if we're being honest with ourselves, it was because they all knew fair and well that that would be the final nail in the coffin for Wink Martindale and it would be what pushed him out the door. And, you know, assuming that he does eventually resign, that will have worked for him, which again, I don't really respect very much using another coach, another assistant as a pawn to get your way when you can't deal with someone else on a personal level. And again, make note that that decision came after the press conference. So once again, Dayball had the luxury of avoiding any questions about it, which I'm not impressed with. You know me, Dan, I'm a Patriots fan. He learned this from Bill Belichick. Belichick did the exact same thing on Monday where he, you know, you want to know what time Belichick's presser was on Monday, his end of season, 730, 730 AM. It was even earlier than that. And you know what he did for the first time in 25 years or whatever it is with New England, he mentioned his contract. He said, oh, by the way, I'm under contract and I'm going to get right to work on the offseason and putting the ball in Kraft's court. So basically getting out ahead of it and doing the same thing. Like this is something that Dave all learned from Belichick. I'm I'm uh, sure of it. But again, it's not semantics. Re- resignation versus firing. That's not semantics. That's that's the key stuff here. Like the mm-hmm. Giants could just fire Wink Martindale. They don't want to. They want him to resign so they can make sure he doesn't go to the Dallas Cowboys. So I think this is like, it's all super fascinating, but it's not a good look. It's not good for culture. And I just, uh, you know, your points on the Wilkins stuff, that's uh, Drew Wilkins, totally uh, notable here. But also guys like Saquon Barkley. Guys were answering questions uh, after this game, Dan, against the Eagles. They're asked about the uh, franchise tag. We all, you know, Barkley basically said, "Yo, I'm I'm numb to that. Like, I want to talk about it." Like, he literally said about the franchise tag about the Giants. If you're gonna do it, don't wait until March 5th. Just get it over with. And if not, let me go. Simple. So, mm-hmm. not hearing Saquon Barkley say, "No, no, no, I want to be here. Let's let's. I can't wait to get back to the negotiating table. We're gonna make this right. We're gonna figure it out. I want to be here long term. I want to retire a Giant like we've heard in the past." He just said. Yo, just put the tag on me now or let me go. Like, I don't want to do, deal with this. And then Xavier McKinney, <laughs> the same type of deal saying, yo, pay me or we'll figure it out because it's a business. So if you ain't going to pay me, it's a business. We'll talk about it later. Uh, none of this, like, I want to be a giant. I want to be here. We've started something special. I want to see this through. Like, we're not hearing a lot of that. <laughs> we're hearing a lot of it's a business uh, from the locker room, which I think speaks to the culture. Uh, and it goes back to kind of, uh, what you've been saying about Dayball, how you're not impressed at all with Brian Dayball and what he's created here. It's, do you think, uh, what do you think about the culture of the locker room with some of the stuff we're hearing, not only with the coaches, but what some of the stuff that you can read between the lines of what the, the players are, are saying, Dan, and not only reading between the lines, like Saquon sounded pissed. Well, I think you summed it up nicely. I just don't think that this whole loving family, like family culture that has always defined the Giants is necessarily what exists right now. That's all well and good if you're winning football games because you kind of whitewash over that kind of stuff if you're winning. But once you start losing, um, things really start to fall apart. And I think Saquon, you know, kind of he kind of learned it last year. The Giants, they may want to act like they're your friend, but at the end of the day, it is just a business. And I'm listen, I'm not personally knocking them for that approach. I think that 
the NFL is a business and you need to treat it as a business. And you, you can do that while treating players with respect. And I don't think that they've treated any players with any immense disrespect. Um, but I think the reality of the situation is beginning to set in for players like Saquon Barkley and Xavier McKinney. And they're starting to realize that the, the whole notion that the, the Giants are this big family unit like John Mara has always presented it and like Wellington Mara previously demanded that it be isn't necessarily what it is anymore. Um, I, I think fans should take note of that because there's this notion still that John Mara has his hands on things and is making Joe Shane do things that he wants like a puppet master. <laughs> but let me tell you, I know John Mara. I think most fans know John Mara. And for all his flaws, he certainly doesn't want the Giants to be viewed as a business above a family, even though it technically is. Um, so one, like I just said, I think you should make note of that and, and understand that Joe Shane is the one calling the shots. So when Daniel Jones starts a quarterback in week one next year, I don't want to hear any crying about how it was Mara that made him do it because most certainly is not the case. And I think, too, um, it's gotten to the point now where the players are looking at it like a business and they need to make business decisions for themselves. That loyalty that tends to exist when there's a family environment, win or lose, is is kind of exiting the building. And as a result, you're going to see players exit the building. And you, and you heard that in Sakon's words, not just the tone of his voice, but in his words, it said, you better give me that franchise tag early this time, even though he's numb to it. Or he said, quote unquote, let me go. That's the first time that Saquon has ever implied that he's even willing to entertain the idea of playing elsewhere. And I'll tell you right now, we talked about this maybe one or two weeks ago. I questioned whether or not Saquon even wanted to be back with the Giants. It was a great and take. I kind of think that I, I kind of think we have the answer to that question now. I agree. I, I remember you uh, say it was towards the end of one of our episodes a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was uh, a fascinating take by you, and it and it definitely uh, is on par with what Barkley said. Uh, after the Eagles game in Monday. But, Dan, I'm a little upset. Joe Shane took a dump all over my uh, secret handshake with Saquon Barkley over the no franchise tag, secret handshake. Uh, that was my take, right? But uh, he said... I told you that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, you're right, as usual. The great Danton. You know, I can't I can't get one right. But he called the tag a, a, quote, a tool at the disposal when asked about, you know, resuming contracts with Barkley's camp. I think Joe Shane hurts himself with the nerd talk. You know, like the... To, that's a tool at our disposal or with Xavier McKinney. He was asked about McKinney and just like, you know, the kind of player he is, would you like to have him around, keep him? And he said, I don't want to negotiate against myself and just talk too much about Xavier McKinney. I was, I'm kind of paraphrasing there, but it's like, can you just tone down the nerd speak a little bit, Joe? Like, my God, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think it does him any favors sometimes, Dan. I, I don't. It's it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing. You got to remember, he's just still getting to speak what as a general manager and, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he kind of prides himself on being transparent, even though in the last 24 hours we've certainly learned that, that these guys are not as transparent as we previously thought they were. And that's egg on my face. You know, we talk about the great Danton getting it right. Well, I got that one wrong. Um, I, I very much got that one wrong. I don't know when the when the light switch flipped, but at some point or another, this team went from being abundantly and overwhelmingly transparent to complete gaslighting uh let's just let's just stop there they're they're very gaslighting and dishonest in the things that they say and there there would have been no harm in praising Xavier McKinney the, for the player that he is because he is a quality player and I don't think you're you're hurting yourself by admitting that reality uh what you are doing by stopping yourself short of praising the player that just dedicated 100% of the defensive snaps to you is kind of isolating him a little bit and saying I just laid it all on the line for this team a year after I suffered a severe injury, which was his own fault, yes. admittedly. Yes. Uh, 
But, you know, 100% snaps in the NFL. There are five guys who did that this year. Two of them were on the Giants' defense. And then Shane is saying, well, I don't really necessarily want to praise him because I don't want to hurt myself in negotiations. (laughs) Just let it go for 10 seconds. Just let it go for 10 seconds and appreciate what that player gave you. So this, this again, this goes back to the whole family notion. That doesn't feel like a family. That just feels like a straight business. For all the criticisms that Dave Gettleman got, one of the most just criticisms that he faced was that he didn't treat it like a family. He just treated it like a business and never pretended otherwise. That's always what f- players and fans complained about. The only difference between what Joe Shane is doing and what Dave Gettleman did is that Shane still – tries to pretend that it's a family and not just a business. It's so true. It's it's all about leverage with the Giants, right? It's all about leverage over Wink Martindale. Joe Shane doesn't want to overly yeah. praise a player in the offseason right. because so he wants least, leverage at, least, at the negotiating right. table. Yeah. At least credit Gettleman for being honest about what he was doing sure. because Dave Will and Shane won't. Yeah, that's one thing we could say about Dave. He w- He was honest. I mean, he was entertaining at the podium, too. You know, he was definitely entertaining. Joe Shea, not so much. He sounds like a baseball executive. That's what he sounds like. It's like, Joe, just I don't want to hear about the franchise tag being a tool at your disposal. My God, you just sound like a tool and I, and listen, when you talk about that. And, and people are going to listen to this rant and think I'm 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 absolving Wink Martindale or even some of the other players or, or personnel of their own issues. And I'm most certainly not doing that. I have no respect for the way that Joe Shane and, and Brian Dayball handled things yesterday on Monday. Um, I'm not going to find any respect for the way that they handled anything on Monday. I just, that's not who I am as a person. If that was someone in my life, if that was a friend or family member, I would label that person a gaslighter that I could never trust again for the rest of my life. And I feel like that would be just, um, but again, I'm not absolving wink of his own issues here because, you know, it takes two to create issues. It takes two to fix issues and, he is every bit as guilty for not being able to fix those personal issues as Brian Dayball is. And, you know, he took, it was funny. It was funny, but he kind of took his own little subtle shot at the whole situation on Sunday. I don't know if you caught this, but uh, he had a picture of Jack Bauer on the back of his clipboard with the <laughs> 24 hours yeah. mark yeah. on it. He was telling everyone exactly what was about to happen, yep. which is a little petty. I'm going to be honest. It was funny, but it was petty. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, again, I want to make it clear that I'm not absolving Wink of his role in this entire situation. Um, but I think it is a smaller fraction of a larger issue that the Giants are dealing with right now. And, again, it's not central to Wink. You can you could see how they handcuffed Thomas McGahee down the stretch. You know, uh, from top down, they told him he couldn't return kicks anymore. Uh, so suddenly there were no more kick returns. And uh, there, were, there was all these players that they – they were demanding, like Eric Gray, for example, that that horrible punt return situation earlier in the season. That was never once Thomas McGahee's decision. That that came down from the top. That was that was demanded of him. So a lot of the failures that led to his firing were decisions that weren't made by him. So I think it is imperative for people to step back, no matter their love or disdain for Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, whichever it may be, even if it's indifferent at this point, and recognize that people are falling around them for decisions, both personnel and on the field, that they made. And they're making fools of themselves by trying to pretend that this is a family business as opposed to just a business at this point. So they're certainly not doing themselves any favors. Absolutely not. Yeah, it doesn't look great from the outside. Uh 
Yeah, Jack Bauer, man. It's, that's got to be like covering the Giants, right? Every day, every 24 hours, Dan, there's a fire to put out. Yeah. You know, every, you know, it's just like, and it's that's been this way for a year, for a decade, man. For yeah. a decade, it's been ever since Tom Coughlin, quote unquote, resigned, another quote unquote resignation, mm-hmm. you know, because it's so funny that people are like, well, Wink just didn't want to be here. You could tell by the fact that he's going to resign. Right, right. In the same way that Tom Coughlin resigned, right? Like, come on, like, you know, at some point or another, you got to step back from the fandom and, and the and the rose-colored glasses and recognize what's going on here. Um, and, and the Giants are falling into a trap, man. Like every two years, and here we are again, two years, you hit that reset button on the rebuild and it never seems to end. And now Joe Shane and Brian Dable are making the same exact mistakes that were made by the previous regime. Now, one of those regimes is viewed as a pathetic failure and this other one is believed to be this great coming you know tyrant of, a, of an organization that they're gonna they're gonna lead the giants back i am getting to the point where i no longer see that i firmly believe after the way everything that was handled on monday going into next season they're going to start the season on the hot seat they're not going to get on the hot seat throughout the season they're going to start there and a year from now we very much could be having a conversation that's all too familiar with us when we start talking about new coaches and potentially new general managers Yep, would not be surprised at all, uh, especially with the Giants apparently running it back with the head coach, offensive coordinator, but changing pretty much everything else. <laughs> so that is like, as you said earlier, that is that is right. quite a uh, that's quite a plan when your offense and special teams performed like it did uh, this season. Uh, the other thing in my notes here, Dan, way down the bottom, is that the Giants are going to pick number six in the NFL draft. We didn't even get to that. You know, that's always a huge talking point. Where are we going to pick number six? Uh, a lot of fans, as we've talked about in the past, rooting for the Giants to draft a quarterback like, you know, Jaden Daniels. That's that's one that seems very popular. But Dan, on Sunday, I'm sure you saw this. I know you did. You covered the team. NFL insider Mike Garofalo just just a little drops a little nugget on the pregame show, says uh, oh, on Daniel Jones. Uh, by the way, he's attacked his rehab from a torn ACL. I think he even said that Daniel is sitting on a chair in the middle of the field, chucking baseballs and footballs. Uh, so Daniel Jones has attacked his torn ACL. And the Giants not only expect him back in time for week one of next season, they expect, expect him to start. So how about those apples, Giants fans, if you're not pissed off about enough stuff and, and you hate Daniel Jones like the majority seem to, sounds like he's your starter and the plan starter for week one next season. And that could change the entire approach for the draft where if the Giants want to stick with their guy that they just paid last offseason, which I guess wouldn't make, you know, it would make some sense, I guess, if you still believe Who it. Go ahead. wasn't forced by John Mara, by the way, which sure. we now know for certain. Yep, yep. So, uh, Dan, they're picking number six, Daniel Jones on track as, as we speak now. Uh, obviously, this can change. It's a rehab. But uh, on track to, it sounds like, be ready well before week one. Uh, and, you know, modern miracles with ACLs, right? They These don't beat, these aren't like, you know, year and a half injuries like they used to be. These are less than a year injuries. So I, I would not be surprised if Daniel Jones is back for week one, and that's the plan. Your thoughts on uh, Mike Garofalo's like little nugget there on Sunday, as if we haven't had no, enough I'm, nuggets with the Giants. My only thoughts are: Is anyone actually surprised by this? Like, not me. Have you have you been listening to this podcast for the last year, people? Like, <laughs> just, I don't know. I don't know why people are surprised by it. Listen. I, I've always been of the belief that Joe Shane handed Daniel Jones that contract. Um, wasn't forced by John Mara. I think that's becoming clearer by the day that that wasn't what happened there. Um, it never made any sense to me that it was in the first place because if 
you know, John Mara had his hand on things, they never would have declined Jones's fifth year option in the first place. And they'd be in a much better position right now if they had. So, or had picked it up, I mean. So the, the situation certainly would be different than it is now. But the Giants gave Jones that contract because the regime that's in place believes in him. You cannot believe in him, but it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what they believe. And they seem committed to making it work with Daniel Jones. Now, it doesn't preclude or eliminate them from potentially taking quarterback in the draft. I, I almost think that they have to at some point. I'm not really impressed with the whole free agency class. There was talk on Monday about, you know, they're they're leaving the door open to bring in Tyrod back, which, you know, certainly a possibility. I wouldn't hate that. Um, I wouldn't hate that either, but um, – I just don't – I genuinely do not believe that they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. I don't believe that they're going to trade up for one. I don't believe they're going to pick one in their spot. I don't believe they'll they'll trade down and pick one. There are a lot of needs on this team right now. There are so many personnel deficiencies that it's almost unbelievable. They're so far and away, you know, behind the rest of – most of the NFL in terms of personnel and depth that they need to use those picks to build up, you know, the team, the depth, every position pretty much. Uh, they're You know, they got – underrated issues at like edge rusher they desperately need another edge rusher that could be a sneaky pick in round one i still firmly believe that they need a true number one um wide receiver, receiver they yeah. obviously need help along the offensive line they need depth at cornerback they very well may, may need another safety now um you know there are a lot of problems that the team has to address um that go well beyond the quarterback position where they just invested heftily so you know this notion that they're going to stick with 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 Jones, which is essentially what Joe Shane said on Monday too, that they they still have faith in him and want to build around him. I'm, you know, I, I'm not surprised by any of that. The only thing that surprises me is that other people are surprised. Yeah, exactly. We uh, a couple bad games with a million sacks this year, Dan, just makes you forget uh, what happened in 2022. You know, it just it just makes you forget. You know, it's like what have you done for me lately? And uh, people want to move on, but I think it, it makes sense at least for 2024 to to run it back with Jones if he's healthy. And and I agree with you, man. Let's go get. Can we get like a player like CD Lamb on this team? Like, can we just go draft a wide receiver one, please? Can we just go get that guy? And like, oh yeah. Anyway, uh, do you feel better at all, Dan? I know this was a Monday was a rough day for you. We we pushed the podcast up to Tuesday morning just to get it all off our chest. Uh, did you get everything off? Is there anything else you want the final word here? No, I want this team to stop being a circus show. That's what I want. I want more than anything else. From a fan perspective, from a writer perspective, just as from an NFL fan perspective, the league is better when the Giants aren't an embarrassment. The Giants have been an embarrassment for over 10 years. And what happened on Monday, regardless of which side you fall on, whether it be Wink Martindale or Brian Dayball, the reality is that circus music continues to play in East Rutherford, and it's not a good look for the team or anybody else associated with it. At some point or another, the Giants have to turn a corner or the calls to sell the team are going to intensify. They exist currently, but they're going to start to get loud because it's been over a decade now. And not only are the Giants one of the most losing teams in the NFL over that period, at one point were the most losing team. Um, they're setting all-time franchise marks in futility while continuously embarrassing themselves in an attempt to steal the back pages from the New York Jets in the most embarrassing ways possible. So... I don't think that there's any satisfaction to be had with where the Giants are right now or, or necessarily any optimism to where they seem to be headed. The regression this season was significant. The personal relationship issues are embarrassing. The crapping on reporters who were completely accurate the entire time is gaslighting, the likes of which we only see in New England with Bill Belichick. So this isn't a place 
that the organization should strive to be, should want to be, or should continue to stay. Um, and listen, I'll be the first to speak out against constant turnover, but until you can get adults in the room to clean this mess up, that's going to continue to happen. And unfortunately for John Mara, if things don't drastically change in the next 365 days, we're going to be right back here again, having this exact same conversation. And the definition of insanity, as they say, is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result. And right now, we are in the most insane of times within this Giants franchise and this Giants lifespan. And that right there, that rant right there is why you should subscribe to the Giants Wire podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. You, you get those rants right there from Dan for free, and there's no one better at it. We'll catch you next time.